Welcome to What Have You, featuring Rachel Jankovic and Rebecca Merkel. Before we get started, I want to let you know that the Canon Christmas sale has been extended through December 6th, Sunday at midnight. We can't recommend Rachel's Yoo-Hoo, Loving the Little Years and Fit to Burst, as well as Rebecca Merkel's Even Exile. Speaking of which, we have a limited edition, very fun cover of Even Exile, now available at canonpress.com. If you order by December 10th, the book comes signed. So head to canonpress.com and check it out. Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's here, present and accounted we for. are together. And we just thought on this fine December day, we should cast a pod. It is a fine December it's day. It's beautiful. It's clear and gorgeous out, and it there's no snow at the moment. Nope. It's so beautiful. It's just a really pretty kind of earthy brown time with clean, crisp light beautiful earthy browns. <laughs> this is the time of year though for us where every the sun goes down really early. Yep. But it is also cuz we're getting close to the shortest day of the year. Yeah, a few weeks out. Well, yeah. Um and what happens at this time of year is that sometimes it's kind of a gray day. Yeah. But then it's like 4:13 that the sun goes down. Yeah. But right around there the sun gets below the clouds and we'll have just an incredible, I was telling Luke, it's like a daily dirt and light show. Yeah. It's like the shadows <laughs> and the sunset and it's just unbelievable and the mountain lights up and we all just like walk around and admire it for a few, <laughs> for a few minutes and then, it, and then it goes and that's why we have to have Christmas lights inside because it's dark too soon. That's funny. It's a, it's like my opposite problem season where I am trying to make everyone go to bed at six forty five. I'm like, wait a minute, never mind. I lost oh, track true. of something, or I'm making dinner at four thirty. Oh, see, I do the opposite. I kind of feel like, I don't know. I you do just sort of lose all touch. Yeah, but in the summertime, I feel like it'll I'm, be like nine when you're like, oh yeah. Did anybody need dinner? I forgot. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that true. that was happening. But now it's just the time where I'm like, we got to wrap this thing up. It's dark. It's That's hard outside. I mean. like, we got to go to bed. At about 4.45, I'm feeling like, well, I guess I'll turn in. <laughs> <laughs> you do get a little muddled. <laughs> and we're on the breathtaking sprint to Christmas now. Like, there's no denying no. that we have work to do soon. No, I need to get my show in order. And I haven't I haven't quite brought my mind to bear on the question yet. But we got through Thanksgiving. We haven't talked on the podcast since Thanksgiving. And that uh-huh. was fabulous. We did all the things. Mm-hmm. Had all the turkey and gravy. Did for that days. stuff. For days. We I installed my seagrass rug. My oh, carpet. Right. My wall-to-wall carpet. I feel like I have to backtrack to the turkey to say that Luke just put the turkey on the Traeger. We didn't nice. smoke it. It just, because there's like a, I don't really know what his An Traeger oven does. Context. Yeah, it's like it can work just, just like an oven uh, sort of 
Okay. I'm sure it had some yeah. smoked nice. flavor, but it was not okay. a smoked turkey. Uh-huh. It was just a cooked turkey. And yep. that, I can't say enough about how much <laughs> less that was doing. But at the same time, it was weird because it didn't smell like turkey in the house. Yeah. So there was a weird yeah. element. I wasn't totally sure what I was doing, but mm-hmm. I really rejoiced in it. And it made me realize that I probably sh- we probably should do that with the prime rib for Christmas, for Christmas dinner. That's a good idea. I thought so, too. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's... Let's send yeah. that to the outdoors. <laughs> take it, does, it to the other it oven. It does seem good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I spent my whole, since we weren't hosting, I spent my whole break in a struggle with my bedroom. And first I cleared it all out and I was going to do my carpet. But as these things go, it was the one bedroom in the house that, they had removed all the trim from in like the 60s. So I was like, well, I'm yanking the baseboards anyway. So I'll put back nice fat wood baseboards over the carpet. And then you can't do that though without those blocks around every door like matches the old part. So I was like, well, I should find those. So I did. I found them at the junkyard for houses here. Found some old trim found accidentally while I was there picture rail that matched the rest of the house so I was like quick I should buy that and then I found myself trying to hang picture rail and all sorts of other oh and then there was a hole in the wall that I was like well as long as I'm painting I should patch that it was like a big channel cut out for plumbing and so that led me to be up here at Rachel's house in a blizzard rummaging through the back of their truck for scraps of sheetrock. <laughs> you did that twice. <laughs> twice in the twice same in the blizzard. In the same blizzard. We are finishing the basement on our house. So that's how we're dusting yeah. our house over in sheetrock and dust period. I didn't want to buy a whole yeah. thing of sheetrock just for that. But then so then you find yourself doing sheetrock work and then hanging picture rail and then painting and then all before I could even get mm-hmm. to the seagrass. And when I got to the seagrass when I finally arrived at that at that fatal day which was the day after Thanksgiving I attacked that and there is nothing that will make you feel like less of a professional than <laughs> trying to install your own carpet by yourself <laughs> but I was, it was glued down. So there was this whole wrangle at the beginning trying to lug this thing in because it weighed like a million pounds and it was too wide for the room on the roll and everything. So it was a whole thing. And then I got it mostly down and ran out of glue. Like I thought I had done the work of the math on how much glue I would need. And I had said two gallons and I got it and it was ready and I started in. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't enough. And then, of course, it was a holiday weekend. And so then I was having to call people I knew who worked at the carpet store. And they were fabulous. And they got me more glue. And it saved my bacon. We needed to get this out there. That Becca and I, sometimes we'll have an errand that we need to accomplish. And But we've never had such great success as our last podcast where we said we should talk to Pierce about suet. (laughs) 
but Pierce's mother heard us say that and told Pierce. Great. And so Pierce himself reached out to us to say, I heard you needed suet. I heard, and I was just thinking, how many other things could we ask for? Like, yeah. be like... Anyone, carpet glue. Yeah, Becca needs carpet glue this weekend. She doesn't. We need to bookmark really quick because we got to come back to the suet. But the thing is, the carpet in the end, the fabulous people of Carpet Mill bailed me out, got me the glue. I glued it down. I hung the baseboards. It turns out I can't understand the interior angle cut with a chop saw. It's very hard for me, but, but I can do exterior ones just fine. But for some reason on the picture rail, I cannot figure it out. There's like 10,000 different ways you could put the board in to cut it 45 degrees and it's too hard. And Ben, Ben was really befuddled about what it was what I was struggling with. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like I can't, I can't get it. Anyway, my brain can't do this. But I, by the end I was beginning to like channel the mood of the chop saw and I knew which way to put the board in to get it. There is a certain kind of like, it's sort of like the trick when you're little of putting your sleeves in the coat upside down Mm. and then it whizzes over your head to be the right way. But it seems totally impossible when you're a kid that that would work but also like the flat board like a, the flat wood of the baseboard no problem I can just understand it and put it in it's the curvy molding that yeah. then I sit there and I really can't figure it out <laughs> and anyway all to say I did it I got it in I got Congrats. the trim in it's making me happy I've got a lot left I'm designing fabric for my curtains and my bedding right now, so that's exciting. And then that's all. That's my update on that. But, suet, we've got to circle back because I have more to say about that. Okay. We mocked the puddings of England. We didn't. We did. We did. We both we purchased did. a pudding basin say, afterwards, so we, we can't did. have really been mocking Well, it. we did because we were guilty enough to both of us purchase a pudding basin. <laughs> So, <laughs> knowing that you can't mock what you haven't succeeded yeah, at. So, yeah, so what we did was each of us ordered a pudding basin, and I... I was very surprised when it came out of the box. I thought I got something much bigger than that. No, puddings aren't big. I didn't see it being just a wee little nubbins. It's that like was a little gonna... softball-sized pudding. <laughs> but the thing is, so... I'm actually glad because I'm pretty sure it's not going to be the thing that we no. can't stop eating. But so. here's what here's what we did. We were like, all right, <coughs> bless you. It's Arden. stir up Sunday. We got to stir it up. So my family did. I, I had to... Make a hog to the suet. I had to email... Kara in England a million times to be like, I don't understand what this is talking about. And she was fabulous and sent me photos of things and walked me through it till I was like, okay, okay, I think I've got my head on straight here. We mixed it up. We stuffed it on into that pudding mold that had come in the mail. I went to steam it all day and all night for like five hours. And, um, Two things went wrong. One, I had overstuffed the pudding mold, apparently, because it didn't occur to me that the recipe for a pudding might not fit in a pudding mold. So I just jammed it on in there right up to the rim 
stuck the lid on it and popped it into steam. You made more of a pudding blossom. Well, apparently they (laughs) rise. I mean, the lid lifted off, and it was just, it was pudding coming out the top. I was like, well, that doesn't seem good. And then, then I forgot, and I left the house, and it boiled dry, and it just toasted the pudding. Like, just sort of gave it a nice (laughs) toast. So I had to throw that one away, and we are going to have to reapproach yeah the stirrup and we did it on strep sunday do people do it without suet okay do it just with butter or something i still have the suet rach you you've got to like never give it to me but i have it so let's just do this thing rachel's using the royal family recipes no i just i think somebody maybe sent it to us or something so and then when i looked at it i was like oh that Anyway, we're totally off the liturgy now because Stirrup Sunday has come, it's gone. I burned the one I I stirred up. And I make bouche de Noël for Christmas dinner anyway, so this is already like... This is just excursions in cultural awareness. Yeah. I feel like I'm having a lot of those right now. But anyway, we're going to have to do it. Yeah. And I have my pudding mold. Today's the day when my sourdough starter performed... Well enough to be enrolled in the Panettone oh, School of... Well. And it was really a lot yeah. of doing to get it to this point to see it through. <laughs> Turned out to have been a simple error of mine that kept us so long from success. <laughs> Having read the whole care and keeping of your sourdough starter in preparations for Panettone <laughs> and then not consulted it again, I was doing too dry of a start to feeding it and it was like a stiff like you have to knead it you know yeah but it has to be tripling in four hours and mine Mm -hmm. was like 2.2 in four hours like it was like constantly just two point something it was a little sluggish yeah so then i went back to consult this maintenance of your sourdough starter and realized (laughs) that i was making it do too much work it could have been a little moister and then I did it with a little more water and it just oh that's good voluminous all over the town so but I think I have to buy some vital wheat gluten in order to alter (laughs) the protein content of my bread flour which I don't usually do that I don't think the women who pioneered panettone really probably went through all that do you think no but I actually uh probably but except for Assuming that they were just using a regional flour that they had, bread flour, mm. it just works better with a higher protein flour. Okay. And I have a high protein, but not quite as high as it Got could it. be. So, you know, in the end, I'm probably going to make like a Frisbee that... <laughs> <laughs> and we will put it behind us. We will be like, well, there was that year that mom... <laughs> Made a big run at a panettone, <laughs> but nothing came of it. You know, the thing is, is that that's what I mean when I always tell people to let your ideas die with dignity because yeah. maybe it won't be dignified. But on the fa- <laughs> on the side of it being like just finding out what it actually is like and yeah. how it turns yeah. out. Yeah, these are this is the quest, right? Yeah. Well, to that's what I'm out. gonna do with the danged pudding. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna take another run at this. We stirred it up even, even, yay, barely, from east to west, the way 
you're supposed to properly do it so as to remember the Magi. <laughs> Mostly what we had was a great big family do about how do you stir a round bowl from east to west? It doesn't matter which way you go. You you're going you're going to start at the east, you're going to end in the west. You I I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. Yeah. You go from east to west and then you turn the bowl. And then you go from east to west, and then you turn the bowl again. Because once you're coming back from west to east, you're no longer commemorating yeah. Christmas. You're not. You're doing it wrong. See, my kids were, like, having this. It was quite funny, actually. They were having this big thing about, like, no, you're doing it wrong. You've just undone all the good work fail, that the other fail, person fail. did. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Anyway, we'll keep you updated on the pudding progress. Yeah. I wrote an Instagram post about this, but I think it's something we can all bear to think and talk about some more, so why don't I bring it up here now? Please do. I kept thinking through Thanksgiving, because it's pretty wild times at Thanksgiving, and I kept just having that feeling like, sometimes it's really crazy, and you feel like things are just zooming on past you, and you are not as organized, or not as, like, all the goals that you had you're not necessarily achieving. No. And this is really a real thing because we've, I know we've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's a real delicate balance to care enough to put all the yep. work into trying and not care so and much that your you're losing open. your stuff over <laughs> the problems that, yeah. that come yep. with, with working hard. Yep. So like if you, for instance, are like, I'm going to make a gingerbread house with the kids, but then you're coming unglued that the large house panel broke or that something. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know what? You got to do both. You got to want to do it and you've got to be lighthearted about the failures. It is hard because I know that for me, I am actually able to remain fairly chill about something that is a real snarl. Like let's say, like my upstairs bathroom that we gutted years ago that's turned into like a strange storage department of things oh, yeah. that I don't want. But you know guys, I think it's important that we all just appreciate that at least they're not using the bathroom that was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yep, because yep. These it, that's what, actually what, not what why we gutted it. But I can't remember actually. A, but you're right about that. I just that. mean at least it's not at least yeah, luckily. you haven't luckily. had to do that. Yeah. But the thing is, is um, as long as I'm not worried about that room, I can be like, yep, that's a mess. I need to get to that. And I can remain fairly chill. The problem is when I go in there and I spend two days organizing it, getting it yeah. all sorted out, trying to get some sort of order in there, much easier for me to fall into sin over it. And it's really funny because it could be a thousand times better than it was yesterday. And it's still much harder for me to remain godly about it. Because I think it's that sensation that if you're sitting on the sidelines, you're okay with not winning the race. But as soon as you have actually entered the race, you're you're not cool with being in last place anymore. 
Right. And that's the trick, is to be able to run fast and be okay with not being when, in first like, place. It really is doing your best yep. and being open-handed about. And it's different, too, when you're doing stuff that you're hoping will be tradition building or whatever. Or it'll turn out beautifully. It's so easy for Christian moms to get into this weird kind of like, I am going to, well, like... You know, I'm going to make these cookies and I will tell them the story as I do this of this. And they will forever remember their mother imparting godly (laughs) wisdom to them whilst she bestows Christmas joy upon them. And this will be what they think of always. And then what will happen will be nothing like that. And it will instead be my children remember forever mom totally losing her her business over <laughs> you know somebody spilling the milk and she just freaked out that nobody cares about Jesus in this family <laughs> and, and that, that that's the thing is that how do you care so much and be so responsive to what God actually is giving you yeah. and the thing that's really a blessing about that is that the more you just kind of lean into the like it's it reminds me a lot of running. You mentioned the race, but I ran track. So it reminds me a lot of like running the 400 is really hard. But so much of performing well in that is learning. It's learning how to how to push your body into certain things and how to relax in certain kinds of pain and yeah. how to be. And so much of like getting your family through the holidays Yep. Where it's joyful and fun is a, is about that balance of extreme exertion. Yep. Corresponding with just letting go of a lot of things right. and not being, you know. But well, I say all this because I was talking about it because of Thanksgiving, and I in in that time I kept thinking if we're screaming down a hill in the wagon, just keep all your limbs in. Yep. Don't start. You know, buffing your ankles on the gravel that goes by. (laughs) Because you're, like, you can't fix some of this. Like, some of it is just happening. Yeah. And you need to chill out a little bit and just deal Mm -hmm. with it. Like, keep all Mm -hmm. your emotions on board. Yeah. Don't find yourself, especially... Little shout out to the COVID diaries of 2020. <laughs> There's plenty of people out there right now, like moms who are for the first time, it's like a coming of age year because there are moms who are cut off from their own family. Like if yeah. you always celebrated Christmas with the real adults in the family, but yeah. now you're the only, yeah. you're the one that has to bring all the noise this time mm-hmm. or you have to mm-hmm. do. There's a lot of that. And I think it's just a good year to reflect on the fact that this is good for us to have to lean into it. And I think recognizing it. your own temptations and because everybody's going to have their own unique Yeah, because ha-ha. there are people out there that all they do is curl a lip when they see other people trying to frost cookies. Yeah. Like they're like, you loser. You think that's <laughs> worth anything. <laughs> and... That's and, not uh, my temptation, so just... But, like, if I just know... Just FYI, that's not the problem <laughs> I'm having. But if I know that when I tackle a big project in my house... That that's going to be the minute that I will be tempted to get cranked off at it not mm-hmm. being done. Weirdly, the the time when I'm doing it is when I can get tweaky that it's not done. Um, if I know that in advance, then it's quite easy to say, aha, I see this temptation coming. And then when it comes, right. you're like... See, I thought this would happen. And then you can sidestep I it. would say one other one is the more thoughtful things you're trying to do for your family. Just 
keep it totally in mind that you're trying to give something. You're not trying to receive it. And so giving it, you don't ever want everyone to feel like mom's doing all this fun stuff for Advent because she wants us to be incredibly more thoughtful than we are. Sure. You know, or she'll be mad at us that we didn't think to bring her breakfast in bed or something. (laughs) And and she's just Mm -hmm. like that all of this will result in some big throwdown where mom tells everyone that they don't love her anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. No, just give freely and give hard. Yeah. Um, I do need to, I'm just going to give a tip while I'm on this topic because it happened at Thanksgiving and I thought it was really funny. Okay. Back to the turkey on the Traeger. When Luke brought it in, he threw foil over it and then he put a beach towel on top of it. And I guess that was just an insulating, you know, giving it a moment to kind of settle, redistribute Uh its juices. Yeah. But that beach towel was in the kitchen, and so it it just happened that I realized I was drying a dish with a beach towel, <laughs> and and I had a moment of like, this is, and then I was just like, this is wildly convenient, like <laughs> because. <laughs> The first thought was, why am I doing this with a beach towel? And the second thought was, why am I not always doing this with a beach towel? (laughs) Who made this arbitrary small towel size a thing in the kitchen? But now it's just totally cracking me up because we used that beach towel all the way for quite a while. Doesn't it like drag on the floor while you're trying to dry it? If you were walking around, but... From the Department of Hand Washing, tons of pots and pans and stuff. We yeah. were setting them on it, and there were still tons to go around <laughs> to dry it off. And, and, and we were really laughing about this, like the beach towel that saw us through Thanksgiving. But I was really getting tickled about the idea of putting a hook on the wall in the kitchen with a full throttle, like a huge towel laying there. <laughs> and and oh, I, like it's it. funny because half of me is like, this Maybe is this could be so helpful. <laughs> and the other half of me is like, people would be so weirded out by that. And then that's funny in itself, like how weird it would be to see a huge towel on the wall in a mm-hmm. kitchen. Mm-hmm. Because you would, especially with my sink, people would be concerned that you're actually bathing there. <laughs> and, but... Then I was getting like, I was like, we should make some. We should make some ginormous kitchen towels. Like, yeah. and yeah. I was like, what would you do to, to indicate that this is clearly a kitchen towel? And then. Paint a big lemon on it. Yep. And then I was getting tickled at the idea of people ordering it off of Amazon <laughs> and being like, what the heck? I thought this was a normal, a normal dish towel. But I'm just telling you, when, when the going gets tough in your kitchen, <laughs> consider a beach towel. You might not have. And it really, that one beach towel did the work of like 12 hand towels. That's pretty good, yeah. Like, because it is like a thicker terry. It it kept going for ages. I I can see that. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, consider it a tip. (laughs) And if you are bolder than I am, and you just hang up a flight of beach towels in your kitchen, please send me a picture because for some reason, this is something that is blessing me a lot That's to really imagine funny. the I beach like towels. It. Yeah, try it I next like time, it. Beck. Okay. Try well, no, it. I can't. Where would I put it? I don't have a counter. I'm not talking about 
What? Yeah, but wherever you put your dishes. Well, that is the question that we ask ourselves. Where do we put the dishes? In a in a kitchen that has nowhere to put the dishes? That's a perennial question. Well, when you wash a pan, where do you put it? Uh-huh. Don't you have a dish trainer on this no, side? No, I don't. We have children. What do you do? Put it on your head? Wash, dry, and put it away at the same time. And when I say away, I mean onto the big gorilla shelf that... Yeah, but that's a place. <laughs> is sitting there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well. It'll, it'll, it is by faith. By faith, we are processing along towards questing, a kitchen. questing towards, towards a counter. kitchen. Well, maybe for your kitchen housewarming when you yeah, get a someday. counter, I'll buy yeah. you a beach towel. Yeah, do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll use it, too. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. That will be good. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, yes, I think this is a... A specialty season, I think, because holidays are always going to be a bit fraught. And they always bring out the most deeply held uh, desires and hurts in people. And then layer on top of that a little deluxe COVID time. And you've got a special brew that you could either use to really glorify God or to really make a... Big mess. <laughs> <laughs> I thought one of the sweetest things that happened for me over... I turned 40 on Thanksgiving. And it really felt like a coming of age mm-hmm. day in so many ways. Yeah. It was really funny. I can see that. But it mostly felt like that because the night before, I went to bed with five of my children up making things that were not on the plan or the schedule in the kitchen <laughs> that they had rummaged through. Mm-hmm. They were motivated. You know, they started reading the the cookbooks. They started pulling out things that was like, we have all the stuff for this. Why don't I make this? And it just was really fun. They didn't need me. So I went to bed. That's pretty good. Yeah, but it was a huge bomb. The kitchen was a deep bomb and... Five of them were still up. They stayed up until one thirty in the morning. Nice, nice. <laughs> and when I got up, the kitchen was all spiffy clean, and oh, the fridge nice. was full of pies. They made uh, pies and a butternut squash fontina tart for the appetizer. Nice. That uh, Lena made a cardamom buttermilk pie that was unbelievably good. I didn't know what a buttermilk pie would be like but it was really good and there was a whole lot of there was all kinds of variety done but the thing that was fun about that is I hadn't planned any of those things. It wasn't me saying this is what you have to get done. So they were, it was fun but had I been more organized I would not have seen this in them either. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had been like, no, the fridge yeah. is totally organized, and these are all the appetizers, and this is what we're doing, it would not have left that room for them yeah. to be like, how about I do this, or how about yeah. we, and it was, and it ended up being just a super fun. That's great. That's super fun. Cool. I think I will always remember that from this, this Thanksgiving, from the wildness of my 40th birthday Thanksgiving. Yeah. It was That's... really fun. It was a fun thing that the kids stayed up way past yeah. me. That's very fun. Well, I do think you're right. There's a lot of people who can't go to extended family, whatever, like they always do. 
And I'm sure I've said this before. So all their old traditions may be yeah, gone. But yeah. the first year we were in England, I was very geared up for Thanksgiving because I was like, all right, it's it's all me this year. I'm going to have to make the Thanksgiving dinner. It's a whole situation. Yeah. And then I did not think of Christmas dinner until Christmas Eve afternoon. It was like, it just hadn't crossed my mind that if That's we were so going to have a Christmas dinner, it was going to have to be me. Yeah, you're because, like, clearly I'm going somewhere for that. Yeah, we always because do. we, yeah, well, it just hadn't crossed my mind at all because I, I don't know, I thought of Christmas breakfast and then it suddenly was like, oh no, oh no. And all the grocery stores closed at four. And so I went screaming off to the grocery store and I got there at like 3.30 and there was nothing. Like it was sold out of all meat. And I came back with a large fish because the- <laughs> <laughs> That's what there was. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I did this. But they were just sold out because they were going to be closed. Yeah, yeah. Like, for several days. Because I think they might have even been closed Boxing Day, too. So, anyway, it was kind of like, it. W- there was nothing. And it was a complete fish. It, like a whole fish. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, for this Christmas dinner, we're going to have hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> actually a really fun dinner as I recall but it just took me very by surprise and so it but then the next year it was on my radar like all right Christmas dinner will be be the grown up about that I will do it Mm -hmm. but yeah I think there's that always leaves um room to get all sulky and sad that you can't go do whatever it is you're used to doing or it leaves an opportunity to try something new and I think do that, something I think fun that the, if I had to guess what is the dominant struggle of our listeners out there this year I would guess that the thing that more people are slipping into right now would be self-pity more like, yeah. it's so hard for me to be doing all this stuff anyways, and now people expect me to pull off a holiday, and now, you know, like, there's yep. that that little resentment, or I have I have so much to do, I needed to have my parents, because I know for a lot of people, um, I know people who can't, because of the border, because mm-hmm. of, they can't go to yep. Canada, or you can't come yep. from Canada, that that's like, just... It's yeah. not an option. It's hard. But I also know people who have family that they always see that they're just not on the same page with how uh-huh. careful are we being right now about mm-hmm. COVID. So then it introduces, it's not just like, I can't be there, but it might be, I can't be there and we're having weird tension or, yeah. and they think we're reckless and we think they're uptight or, and, you know, there's just all this kind yep. of, there's a lot going on. So I think that that desire to kind of... I think when sit and feel the feels about how bad it is for you. If you find yourself zooming out, you know, zooming, panning back and looking at yourself and, and just seeing yourself as the tragedy queen or seeing how hard it is for yourself, wishing that other people could see the perspective that you have of yourself. Why aren't they always looking at us? But like, Don't they see how much I have put into this yeah. already? Yeah. And then the fact that you know if they if were so absorbed in their own problems, they yeah, would be just, looking at mine, yeah, with me. Or, 
more yeah. people would focus on they, my issues. <laughs> if they actually were looking over here, they would see how much I have invested. Anyway, it's it's just never kind mind of all like, the people you can't possibly be noticing your own self while yeah, focused on. I just yourself. think that if you find yourself looking at yourself from a distance like that, that's the first clue that oh, you're, yeah. you've gone wrong. No. And I feel like the thing that we do with, we've done with our older kids, like when the kids were little and they fell into an attitude debacle, then it's your parenting job to go get them out of it because they can't by themselves. And that's what you're there for. Well, it's I like, specifically say this is, well, because we say with Moses or whatever, if he's talking to fussy boys, mm-hmm. we say, uh, it sounds like the fussy dragon ate you. <laughs> and it's so you're going to kill him or I will. But right. the job that Jesus gives us is to kill the fussy dragon. Yep. Like we can't, that's not yeah. a thing that can be. So if I will say, so you kill him, we always joke about this. I'm like, are you going to do it or should I? Because one of us will. And I'm like, and do you know how I do it? And they always are laughing at this because I'm like, I do it by spanking your butt. <laughs> and that kills the fussy dragon. <laughs> and yeah, and, and the they get is, they totally he totally gets it. All of the kids before him mm-hmm. totally got it. Yeah. And it, it's actually a real gift. I'm getting distracted here. It's a real gift to your children yeah. to give them it forces on them the experience, the physical experience of locating their own emotions <laughs> and grabbing it by the back of the neck and yeah. forcing it to yeah. obey. And that's a skill that they desperately need. Yes. And I feel like those early years when you're paddling them, it's, it is you teaching them how to do it themselves. It's the training wheels. Mm-hmm. But obviously at some point those training wheels come off. And so when the kids were older, it's not like that meant they would never have an attitude problem. No. But when they would start was... to get older, it would be like, you know what? I think what you ought to do is just pop up to your room for a minute, pray through this, and then come back. And and sort of like, you can't be gone for more than five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, go up there, we take the a minute, same. read a psalm, pray Get your heart right. Come back. Make it right. We'll move on. Uh, yep. And make it make. I it do the snappy. same. That's like next time I see you, which will be in five minutes. You will have a cheerful face on, and you will have something to put right yeah. with someone. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is, is that is a good a good exercise for older kids. While you're teaching them to like mm-hmm. be able to deal with it the way they will have to for the rest of their lives, but it doesn't work. If you also are not doing it with your own self. Right. So right. if you, you find yourself rolling out the dough with too much oomph and follow through in the kitchen as you're thinking uh-huh. about the th- just set it down and go into your room for a minute. And I pray. Do, I do the and come back. Them, I make them read a psalm. Sometimes I pick out a psalm that I make them read. With a, and it's either like, can you do this by yourself or should you do it with me? That you're going to read it as a prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I always get this one wrong, which is why I'm trying to look it up. Is it Psalm 52? Nope. It's always, Creed it's in the. Me a clean heart. Yeah, but it's 51, 50, some. I would have mm, said 53, but it I might be. be wrong. No, the fool says no. in his heart there is no God that's <laughs> well, not that one. that's sometimes Happy, applicable I mean, too. Uh, yeah, but I think it's the. 
I'm going back. It's in no. the 50s, isn't it? 30? No. I think it's right around We're 50, really but every time I say this, I have no, but every time I say this, I have to do this. There we go. Yes. You found it. Uh, 51. Yeah. Psalm 51 is a great one where I say, read this out loud, but begin with dear heavenly father and end <laughs> with in Jesus name. Amen. <laughs> this is your job. Go pray that. That's what I do. If I say, if it's like, if they're in that kind of, I don't know what's wrong. I'm just, it is like, you oh. know, sometimes we don't have the words, but God okay. gave us words. So go pray this. Yeah. Pray it. Get it right. Come yeah. back, lickety splickety. Yeah, we're gonna be back. And get it done. But I think it's just important for you to, if you find yourself in your head, running through the pageant of your wrongs, or or for instance, because twenty twenty has so set us all up to feel sorry for ourselves. What if what if you're just liking to work through what's so hard for you right now? Yeah. If it's like, well, and then, and then, so like, say you have a minute to sit down with your coffee. Are you scrolling through your list of grievances or are you like thinking in terms of what can you do to turn a profit on things or how can you honor God in this instead of being like, look at me and what I have to deal with. Yeah. And there's always going to be opportunities as you look at something that is difficult or hard or complicated there's going to be opportunities for you to innovate something new and fun or opportunities for you to double down on the unfun. And yeah, in the poor me's department. And the interesting thing about the poor me's is the more you find yourself nurturing the poor me, the less does anyone else feel like giving that. I'll tell you why that is. As a person like who is you're singularly ill-suited. Yourself. I am singularly <laughs> ill-suited to feel sorry for those who feel sorry for themselves. Exactly. It's not one of my spiritual gifts. It's actually a thing that I have to be intentionally yeah. working on. But the reason is you've done it yourself. Yeah. You don't need anybody it's else's It's kind of like pity. you've already received your reward. Exactly. You decided to be pitied by men, and you've done it. So, it's you got what you needed here. There's yeah. nothing left for you. But I will say, this this is me launching into, into one of my most controversial opinions that I've ever aired on oh, the podcast. Okay, what is it? I think you would feel my feelings on this point. You don't think I'm going to be shocked and horrified? No, I just think if you had been doing what I've been doing lately. What have you been doing lately? I listened to Mansfield Park again. Jane Austen. Mm. Because. Weirdly, I spoke about this at my honors class Every time I say a thing. About Mansfield Park in specific. Weird. Yeah, weird. I know. What happens to me is Mansfield Park comes up in some way. Usually by someone citing Fanny Price as a good character. <laughs> and I say, I hate Mansfield Park. <laughs> but then people immediately rush into conversation assuming I have a far better, more recent knowledge of Mansfield yeah. Park mm-hmm. than I do. Mm-hmm. And they say something like, but when Aunt Norris says, and I'm like, who the heck is Aunt Norris? <laughs> Clearly, I needed to sort out my plot points. I needed to listen to this. So I had listened to Emma again, and so I was like, oh, I should listen to... I listened to Mansfield Park just to just to check, see okay. about... And yeah. Becca... It's I, still bad? 
so bad. So <laughs> bad. And I do think... I believe you. I I've, do have to give Jane Austen credit that I think if you went wrong on a book that you were writing with a fountain pen... Yeah. You a can't quill, you can't probably. easily zoom back and and no. redo. No. So I I think this it's kind of like a long monologue. You kind of just have to go with what you've done, you know? Yeah. At the point where you've messed up as badly as she did in that <laughs> book. I can see how she but I really feel like she phoned in the ending like in a kind of It's funny cuz that's why I was talking about it at <sighs> lunch at the honors meeting. I was like, so my- funny." Sister feels this way about Mansfield Park because, anyway, how weird that. Yeah. That. Well, I now that I double checked my data, I discovered that I do in fact deeply detest Mansfield Park. Well, interestingly, I detested Fanny Price enough the first time around that I have never yeah returned that way. Well, you know what it made me feel this time. Hmm. This is why I said it might be my most controversial piece ever. Okay. All right. It made me think that Jane herself needed counseling. Like, because <laughs> I was like, the author who could write this is troubled in some ways. Well, but see, I do love Pride and Prejudice, and I think it's very astute. And, well, I mean, it's obviously just clever in many ways. But she seems to have a real handle on things in Pride and Prejudice. Yes, in, because in real insightful, because insightful, and she's a little satirical about like the Mrs. Bennett character, and I and I have a concern with this one because when I listen to Emma, I like the story of Emma is a good mm-hmm. story, and there's a lot of points in Emma that are great, okay. but when you're actually listening, I mean, when you actually read it unabridged or listen to it mm-hmm. unabridged, there's a lot of ways in which I think, and this is not. This is not me just being critical of Jane for no reason, but the things that she makes fun of and the satire and the points that she's trying to make, it also comes out in that book that she's, she's also herself part of that culture, which she can't, which she can't escape. And I would never say she ought to show no signs of actually living in that culture, but it's interesting because she is poking fun at something that she's also accepting in one way. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, like she, yeah. it's kind of like, this is how it is. Sure. Not, you know, whatever. But in Emma, I think that that's pretty, that's, I like it. Pride and Prejudice is great. Emma is good, but there's some of that, but it's a great book. But Mansfield Park, I feel is where it all comes, all the wheels come off the wagon <laughs> because I think that Jane herself, I think more of her own temperament is in that book. In you a think? weird way. I do because maybe she just was having a moody time. Maybe, but but it wasn't she's not making fun of Fanny. Fanny doesn't like there's like Fanny is just this character who is way, way, way too into herself. <laughs> and she is really into herself by always being weak and sad and thinking very little of herself but she is yeah. absolutely bloated in her own conceit in <laughs> all ways and but it's weird because I do not get the impression that Jane herself was trying to point that out do you know what I mean like you don't get like sure. and with Emma 
Emma's foibles, she's pointing out. Harriet's foibles, she clearly sees. Mrs. Yeah. Bennett's and Mr. Bennett's and Mary and Lydia. Those are all... Oh, and Elizabeth. And, and Elizabeth. Mr. Darcy. But and... those are all characters that she seems to see clearly. Yeah. And Fanny Price, <laughs> I think she loses her mind with Fanny Price. And I can't even... <laughs> On that. And and there are all these points where she's not making fun of her. She's not she's not she's not trying to bring it up to to make light of it. And the only thing that is she just says that she is a really um it's like the only thing that makes her a good character is the things that Jane just asserts that she's like insightful or but she never is. She's never <laughs> steady or good character or anything. We just say that she is. Right. But she's actually being an absolute self-absorbed beast the whole way through <laughs> it. And and she just does it the whole way. And, and it reminds me of that Angelina Ballerina book we once mistakenly purchased. <laughs> <laughs> and the Angelina Ballerina book where, where Angelina wants to be the star of the show. But someone else got the ballet part. And then and the, the good news ending of this book is that the person who was the star of the show sprains her ankle. So Angel Angelina gets to be the star of the show after all. And that's exactly what I think happened in Nansville Park. Is that Fanny through so no bad. benefit of her own at all, through nothing, just lands on her feet through someone else's crisis that Jane phoned in at the end. So that's just one of the controversial things I'd like to leave you with today. I just I feel like, man, I could go on the warpath about how little I like Fanny Price. I cannot well, enjoy her. I'll hold your coat while you do it. But yeah, I, I, you should go dust up on it because I, I think you would feel the same oh, way. I know I would because I thought it the first time, wow, but I just, it's just, you know what? What one of the things that just cheeses me off about her the whole time is it it they just tell us that she has it's like Edmund knows no one of greater judgment or something but yet all she does is fear and feel things intensely okay but and then she hoofs it off anytime <laughs> anytime that something happens that belittles her or makes her feel small or unwanted she's always racing off to go reflect on it and weep in another like she's like she treasures up her wounds oh, and dear. takes them off to reflect on them and then worse than that she measures the value of all people by how much they need her to oh. be there. Like, she's like, can't wait to go home where she will be valued more. Or where... Well, so, I haven't... It's been way, 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 way long. I don't remember mm -hmm. any characters from that book. But Pride and Prejudice, though, like, Elizabeth's whole thing that she prides herself on is the judgment of character. Like, she yeah. has the ability to judge yeah. character. And... We're kind of, she's kind of presented like that, you know, like she's the one who's yeah. a little bit sharper. She's like her father. She sees people more yeah. clearly, etc. But she's the one who was wrong about her best friend. Yeah. She's wrong about Wickham. She's wrong about Darcy. She's wrong about Bingley. And I think that's what Jane is, is Jane Austen is doing. Like she's showing totally. you. That she thought but, she prides herself on her being a good judge of character, and yet she's basically 0 for 6 by the end of yeah. the book. 
But but it's weird because is it possible that Fanny Price is something similar? Is my I don't, question. I don't see it because it doesn't. That's what I'm. That's what I think is missing. Is that she doesn't change as a character? And Elizabeth does. Elizabeth thing, notices yeah. what yeah. a darn fool she's been. <laughs> yeah. And you could probably get super nuanced and say that Fanny changed as a character in like. Yeah. But she also, there are all these ways in which she massively wrongs the people that she's with by not expressing her concern. Like she's like so worried that people will think ill of her that she doesn't pass on the news <laughs> in any kind of a timely manner that might have spared them all the sure. grief. Right. <laughs> okay. And instead she's like, so, you know, always in a twist of her own anxiety somewhere. <laughs> That she's and and I just think it was mean spirited of Jane to make someone like that also perpetually physically weak. Like she's always yeah. can't walk very far. Or she's too tired and can't. But it's not something. It ends up with her as she is finally being valued for what she has always been. Oh dear! But it doesn't. It doesn't end with kind of mm-hmm. a like. She had to snap out of it. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. end with any kind of a, you know what, I was yeah. I was way too self-absorbed. Right. And it, it does things like where she's anxious because her uncle is coming home. And she's anxious because she gets in a real whiz in her own brain about feeling so guilty that she doesn't feel more desire to see him like like oh and how much honor she owes him but she's not feeling it and I think that that's the thing is that it's written as a way that's supposed to be like she's keenly aware of her own duties but the thing is is she's just keenly aware of her own emotional self and that's actually the only thing she's paying attention to it's like I don't feel what I think would you know yeah I just don't like her I don't like the whole setup I think uh-uh. it's just a bad time. And while I'm on such offensive topics... Yeah, might as well. Why we not? could segue directly into the failure with Little Women is that oh, Joe should have married Lori and there's no yeah. excuse for the way yeah. it happened. And Good Professor Bauer... May, she yeah, Professor it. Bauer was a figment of the imagination <laughs> that was just trying to land a story that went the wrong direction. <laughs> When they didn't have the delete button Yes, easily. if they couldn't have just gone back and yeah. be like, that was dumb, let's insert mm-hmm. a part that makes more sense. You know? So, these are my unpopular... <laughs> I mean, I guess this is kind of like, we turned this into an unpopular podcast on literary matters. Literary... The unpopular pod. Criticism. <laughs> <laughs> last, last time it was the Christmas pudding, this time it's... Mansfield well, Park. I feel like if you just went around and spake ill of Louisa May Alcott and Jane Austen in the same short we space of we time. We can't let this end without throwing just throwing out the name L.M. Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, here's the thing. There's actually moments of genius all over the place. In, in all there. of them. Yeah. In all of them, there is. Because yeah. I actually, I think the reason that since I mean that Mansfield Park annoys me so much is because Jane is actually amazing and capable of really great stuff. Well, and I also and that's why I actually thought in this one that I wondered if we were actually seeing Jane's 
own or maybe, weakest spot. Or maybe she was trying to do something and she just didn't just do didn't, it as deftly didn't, or something. Yeah. But the maybe thing it is, just didn't come together like, in the end. I think that all the people who are ridiculous about Jane Austen, who have the pillowcase that says Mr. Darcy and me or whatever, wow. it's like, wow. I've seen those. I it's saw someone bad. made a big vinyl wall cling in a girl's nursery. It was like a crib oh. under a big scrolling, Waiting for Darcy. scrolling script. No, scrolling script on the wall that was like, you must allow me to tell you no, how no. ardently <laughs> I love and admire you. Well, the thing is, I'm like, what? The people who get into Jane Austen in a weird fan fiction kind of a way. Yeah. I think Jane herself would have done great things with them as characters yeah. in one of her yep. books. It's actually... Because, but the same goes for Anna Green Gables. Because yeah. she's cast as this ridiculous little person who's lovable but ridiculous. Somebody pointed us and out then, recently and then that at to least, be like it. Yeah, but that Anne does herself... Yeah, Montgomery does actually make her as a character outgrow that and be embarrassed of it. So there's not, there's, it's not like she was setting it up as a pinnacle. No, you're supposed to laugh at it. And that's what Jane Austen is giving us a bunch of characters we're supposed to laugh at, which is why it's very funny when I think people miss the whole humor, get infatuated with the outfits, and then try to like, Yes. Really live in the ambiance. I, I think I agree with that. And actually, I don't. I don't dislike Ellen Montgomery. I just don't. I. I think it's just a. It's a mashup of that. That feeling of it's like actually that quote that I love that says the remarkable thing about Shakespeare is that he really is that good in spite of all the people who say he is. Yeah. And I think that there's ways in which. Yeah. Jane Austen is Tolkien is this way. Like yeah. he is really amazing. Yeah. But. The way his fan clubs go can put yeah. you off. Well, you see the the old... There's a dark side. The BW <laughs> bus <laughs> that says, not all who wander are lost. And you're kind did of you like, like uh, Tolkien would have a word about you. I, did you see the Babylon Bee <laughs> that came out with uh, Gollum? Gollum shares his preferred pronouns are ours's and theirs's. <laughs> I good. felt like that was real good. They I like I like put a it. finger on it with that one. Well, now that we've gone and honked everybody's noses no, on that we have question, not. We have not. Just, you know, try don't to be endeavor, like Fanny. endeavor to, oh, just don't. Just just don't do it. It's not cute. Nobody wants it. It's not big and it's They're not clever. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, at least now that I went into that, I sallied into this argument, at least I've recently dusted up on the characters <laughs> in the book and I could tell you who so, Mary Crawford is. Mm-hmm. At least I know that now. That's so good. I feel good. in a little bit of a better enforced yeah. situation to complain yeah. about the book. Good. Good. All right. Well, well until everyone, next time, happy advent. Keep screaming down the hill and whatever wagon you're in. <laughs> See Keep you your elbows bottom. in. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye.